Hello everyone, PJ here and welcome to my very first podcast. Now, um, I <laughs> I am reluctantly here <laughs> on the basis that um, I've had a lot of requests for a podcast and time has come where I decided that yes, I should probably... <laughs> release the uh, feeling that I had around um, going tech, so to speak, and find different ways to reach you. Um, It's been one hell of a year, has it not? And we are at level 9.5 of Jumanji, or otherwise known as 2020. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to use this podcast to connect with you, um, to muse and riff just on the things that come up for me um, personally, uh, because what I have discovered is the things that that are impacting and um, affecting me are affecting the rest of you as well. And this way, you don't have to sit and listen to me live, um, that you can at a computer, you can um, take me with you. I'm in your pocket. Isn't that cute? (laughs) I'm never far away. So um, today's podcast is uh, the first of many. And um, my my real focus ever since I can remember is helping people align to the call of their soul. Um, Without sounding too cliched, um, really um, aligning to the truth and rediscovering their purpose in life. They're probably the main, that's probably been the main focus. When I look back at all of the different roles I've had, all of the different experiences that I've had here on earth, all of the amazing synchronicities that, if you've noticed, continue to increase, (laughs) um, have really highlighted that to me um, in a a way that has been mirrored. Today's podcast is is um, really just an intro, and then uh, my hope is that you will just journey this with me, and together we'll um, create something wonderful. I can't do it without you, and I'm doing this with you and for you. So, looking forward to being able to expand more. So, a little bit about me. Um, I'm a 52 year old. I still can't believe that's actually my na- my my age because i i don't identify with my age at all uh, i don't feel any number and um the feedback is that i don't look like that either i'm just me so it feels like i've sort of remained <laughs> at some point in in the past um but i've continued to grow as i'm sure all of you have i've uh, been married three times and I live in Scarborough in um, Queensland, which is probably the most easterly point of Queensland that you can get without heading out to the few islands that are off the bay here. I live in a really beautiful little enclave, um, which is heaven on a stick without question. And uh, I've been here two months and it's been really interesting. I um, have two adult children on the autism spectrum uh, one is 22 and the other is 20. He was born um, in the year 2000. So 
We've had a really interesting life, um, having been married three times. Uh, we've been through some shifts and changes, as I'm sure you can aware. And um, really, what that has done is really served our growth, is what I'd like to um, illustrate that as. It has certainly had its challenges, as many of you who know me know that I have um, been through the ringer, so to speak. And I bring with me a wealth of um, experience, heartache. Um, I've had my fair degree of suffering and pain. And I've managed to transmute that into gratitude um, for what's been. And um, I wouldn't be able to do what I do today if it wasn't for all those experiences. So I'm really grateful. Uh, I have a number of businesses. I am a, a true entrepreneur with a humanitarian focus. So I am very called to um, the making the world a better place. Um, the Q movement, of course, for many of you, you'll know me through Q. And um, the rest of you will know me through doTERRA, both of which are very focused on leaving a legacy of a much better world behind than the one that we had. Um, doTERRA's essential oils, of course, are really focused on making sure that we give back to the world and, and that we are literally the agents of change, the stewards of the earth, as it were. Um, and the Q move, it, it, it's so beautifully dovetailed because um, the Q movement is all about bringing the world along on a ride into more of a fifth dimensional reality, the one that we're headed towards. So it brings me great joy to be able to speak to you as me. And, um, you know, if you want to work with me, I have the opportunity to offer you that. And I also have my beautiful tours to Egypt, which are also a very much about focusing on giving back to the world. They're, they're not just a, a whistle-stop tour. They, the uh, Egyptian tours are things that I've been doing now for 10 years and um, a very powerful um, transformational spirit quest where we go back and we look at different aspects um, of ourselves at different points on the continuum in the past and come to terms with um, what we're seeing in front of us. It's fascinating. But I won't go into that too much because I have, uh, I have the idea of, you know, moving into um, other realms. I'm a energy worker, healer, um, been working in this capacity 10 years. I read the Akashic Records and I'm basically incredibly intuitive and drawing on God's love working on a vibration that is um, extremely high. We're all moving towards the fifth dimensional reality. And you could say that I would identify as uh, a transition specialist. So working with people to help them transition into the 5D experience as well, it brings me no end of joy. So that's a, uh, a bit of a wrap up. <laughs> I'm multidimensional, so there's loads to know and over time um, with appropriate disclosure you'll hear little bits and pieces about me and my story 
Today, though, I really wanted to talk to you. Um, uh, I had a question during the week, and she said to me, I really want to know how do you deal with the amount of truth? Now, I've been an alternate researcher. Uh, unwritten history fascinates me. And then, of course, my ability to connect um, with um, my intuitive guidance and God's assistance as well. The archangels all come together when I go deep into um, history. And as I did that in 2012, I um, stumbled upon the truth. <laughs> it's probably the best way I can describe it. It was just, I, I had every intention after my first visit to Egypt, which was um, absolutely spellbinding on all kinds of levels. It was a total culture shock. Um, but probably the biggest thing was at a political level, they had just finished with the transition away from the first revolution. And uh, the biggest shock of all was seeing the people and how the people were so negatively impacted by something that was designed, well, they were told that this would bring in immense shifts and a positive sh change to life there in Egypt. In actual fact, at a political level, all it did was cripple them. And uh, that resulted in the second revolution some, I think, 16, 18 months later. Revolution 2.0, as I used to call it, and um, ousting uh, the, well, demonic Muslim Brotherhood, which is... We're, we're being shown that now. Um, I watched in horror, um, as did the rest of the world, where a, a genuine march uh, as a refusal of the installed government that was there by Muslim Brotherhood um, to oust the individual that had taken seat. And, um, yeah, we watched what was a family outing go incredibly ugly in an attack that well, in retrospect, absolutely no question was planned with Antifa running behind and running amok, creating a lot of mayhem for a lot of people who were there enjoying a family day, which we're seeing now. We're seeing this playing out in the world. So you'll often hear me say, you know, they used Egypt as practice for what's going on in the US. And I truly believe this because um, there was some signature um, footage uh, there was the fire, of course. It's it's then they're known for their dress in black and burn everything to the ground. That's basically what they're about as anarchists. And um, we saw this in Egypt as well. But at that time, a lot of people were um, hoodwinked into the idea that the uh, the Arab nations, and specifically Egypt as well as others, were incredibly um, full of bad people and they all deserve to die anyway. So the, the world didn't really have the empathy for uh, Egypt at that time. I'll never forget it. And um, of course by then I had struck up quite a few relationships with really beautiful people who I'm still friends with to this day and probably will be for the rest of my life. Beautiful people and uh, who, I, who I do count as really special friends. 
um, and, and just to watch the world simply shun them and turn their back on them. Um, and the, the commentary around that was often, well, you know, they've been fighting for thousands of years, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, it used to really upset me. We're now seeing the truth, you know. We are, we are seeing everything roll out and uh, we've seen this infiltration of the Muslim Brotherhood all the way through the White House. And I actually remember when that happened. So while I was watching what was happening in Egypt, I was also watching what was happening in the US and it was very clear, although I hadn't drawn any correlations, but I knew full well that there was Muslim Brotherhood infiltrating the White House. I knew the names and I knew uh, the people. <laughs> that were being put forward and I was more than, I'm just a normal everyday citizen in Australia. Like, what am I gonna be able to do about it? Absolutely zero. But I could see it very, very clearly. I've been able to see the truth since I was very young. I've been able to identify the matrix and what it is, although I didn't have the language for it when I was little. Um, I can see the system, I can see the system playing on the people. I can see Satan working to divide and conquer. I can see um, the, the way it works to eat us up and for us to turn on each other and the control mechanisms that are behind that, which is really just this ancient, you know, covenant. Um, and it's not just a covenant, man, it's, it's been hell on earth. For any of us working in that light worker space, um, it has truly been hell on earth where We've been fighting off um, this, these dark attacks for a really long time spiritually. And it can really take a toll on the individual, can take a toll on your self-worth, your self-esteem, your self, um, the image of, of who you think you are. And um, yeah, it can really take a tumble. So um, with a view, when I, when I did my Egypt tour back in 2012, um, and I was invited to come back by the Egyptians who said, we love the way that you see. We love your heart. We love, we love the way that you, you just see it. You understand what we're going through. And for some reason, I did. I, I was mortified and I wanted to help. And so I agreed <laughs> reluctantly. <laughs> I'll tell you the story about that sometime um, to bring the people to, to the Middle East, to Egypt, so that they could experience these divine beings. And the Egyptian people are incredible, gracious, nurturing, kind. There are Christians and there are Muslims. There are Jews as well. And, um, and, and of course, most of them identify with the um, origins of Sufi, which are particularly beautiful. Um, and the Sufi mystic that we know the most, there's a few, but... The one that we all relate with here in the West is um, definitely Rumi, and you'll see from time to time on social media, I'll post and muse around Rumi um, because it just puts me straight into my heart. Love it. Um, the, the quest to make those tours work uh, took me into some interesting spaces. I will say that. <laughs> um, I intuitively developed the itinerary and it's interesting because there are other tour operators who have completely ripped off my itinerary in the order that I do it, um, which is, 
I guess, a compliment, flattery, <laughs> if you like. Um, mimicry is the highest form of flattery. But um, the, the way I've shaped the itinerary is very much intuitively in line with God and, and what he wants brought in to the realm. The people that are drawn on the quests that I do are people who have the same vibe and need to know the same information, need to understand um, their connection with Egypt and it's as individual as a fingerprint, by the way. There isn't a formula that I can give you to say one, two, three, here's Egypt. Definitely not. But as I was drilling in to understanding, okay, what is it about this site? What do, why do I love that? Why am I drawn to this? What was this about? When I went into the into those temples, why did I light up like why did I feel fear like that? Why did I want to throw up at that one? <laughs> um, and because it, it's a visceral experience. Travel is a visceral experience. And it really opened up a whole heap of things for me. And as I came back and started to really go deep, it was like automatic riding. If you know what automatic riding is, it's simply where you just open up and you simply just let the pen flow. And the way that I do my research, um, and I am very researched, um, oh boy, <laughs> I, I went down those rabbit holes like <laughs> you could not believe um, night and day for around five or six months as I was recovering after I got back from Egypt, I became quite unwell and um, it took me, yeah, a good six months to recover from that. Um, oh boy. <laughs> the, the idea of doing research on my itinerary and then writing a book on Egypt ended up being uh, an epic saga of rab rabbit holing and red pilling deeper, longer and harder than anyone could ever, ever imagine. And I was one inch wide and nine miles deep, I tell you. And nothing was out of nothing was out of the realm of possibility. It started with trying to understand the layout of Egypt and each of the different sites. Um, a lot of the archaeology, and I'll talk about this in time. It was trying to understand the lineage, the, dis the dynasties, how the dynasties linked. Where did Egypt fall? Why did Egypt fall? Where, what was the point? Why was I taken to this part on my tour? Why did we go there? That like, you know, this, I, I let synchronicity speak, okay? And as I did these <laughs> amazing deep dives, red pills, rabbit holes, whatever you want to call it, oh boy, I would come up mucky. And, you know, it took me hard and low. It took me into the satanic cults that used to visit in the uh, nomadic centres in Egypt. It took me deep into the alchemists and understanding the alchemy of Egypt, how um, the Jehudi, they're called, or what we know now as priesthood, were infiltrated by Rome. And does that sound familiar? <laughs> and um, the priesthood overtook the entire operation in a legal coup, right, back in 1850 BC. So 
it's very interesting. And there were pieces of history that had been written, lost, um, some things that we will never truly understand requiring full intuitive access, which I've been able to access a lot of stuff. And I'm just shown things as I go um, in, in a quest for the truth. What was the truth? You know, why was this like this? How come this was like this? And um, the ways in which um, that truth and our reluctance to look at truth, I'm not talking about you specifically, obviously, I'm talking about the greater collective and why are we so vulnerable when it comes to information? Because we'll, and I've done it, you know, you, you follow a thread and it leads you to a dead end because your, your ego or your identity really needed it to be look, feel and act that way. Um, and when your ego is involved, it can really lead you to a dead end. Um, and then, yeah, the whole, the whole red pilling experience was me and God working night and day and him showing me how to respond to the truth viscerally when I could see half a sentence was true, the other half was nonsense. Um, when I could see there was patriarchal truth, which wasn't a truth, woven into facts and I could see facts completely distorted or, or missing in some cases. And in many cases, we will only ever have the, our intuitive knowing that's going to connect those dots, which as we move through this great awakening, we're really going to feel this powerful shift into our ability to fill in the missing blanks on whatever topic that floats our boat. And we will intuitively know, I'm seeing this a lot in the truth community where I've been frequenting for a really long time and I'm watching the maturity of people around the truth, willing to share, um, willing to teach, um, willing to be open mostly, not all, and um, willing to, to question their own dynamic, which is really cool. And, and look, if you're going to go and do the truth, you need to do that. But the question I was asked today was, how do you cope with, I'm so heartbroken. And um, I think that is, you know, that is the journey. I find, I have said this many, many times, I feel that Q is a soul regression. Uh, it's, it's consciousness. And uh, consciousness is a frequency. It's a frequency of love, frequency of unconditional healing, um, un unconditional love for healing. It's a frequency of light and information and it is going to expose anything that's sitting in the dark um we all experience it differently you know there's going to be an ex-veteran who's not going to be into past lives or crystals necessarily but hey there's a lot of you that are <laughs> um which is great to see because i can tell you now 10 years ago you didn't see that at all um there's a lot of you that are uh more fluid around science for example than um, 10 years ago where everything was written in stone and that's the, way, that's the only way it could look, we could look at it. Where in Q, it's been amazing. We, we've just had this incredible f ability to toss some ideas around and fluid thought um, using our imagination and coming up and looking at things differently time and time again.
And this is the thing that I that I discovered as I was going through my own journey of red pilling. Um, yeah, it it it. I'd be lying if I said that it was a smooth ride. It absolutely was not. Um, to have our, you know, someone tells you Santa doesn't exist anymore. You're seven years old. The world falls out of the bottom. Falls out of your world, right? And the same thing with with the truth you know if you've held on to the idea of having someone like einstein as as a hero or mother Teresa, let's go there mother Teresa, you know you, you you've been forced in my case at school we were force fed this is the woman that you need to worship and adore i remember going what no <laughs> but that that's because i've always had that aspect of myself where i've always been able to see really trans I didn't even know why I felt like that I just know um and I and I know now that um I've been blessed with guidance from God but um for the average person poor things who had to swallow that hook line and sinker boy they sure did and you know it's really heartbreaking when you're told wow you know there was a lie that was passed down in generations it wasn't the teacher's fault the teachers were doing the curriculum but you know where does the curriculum come from yeah, it's the design, and it's the design of Satan, not God, through the deep state. So, and and the the mind, you know, um, it's also the collective mind that's been infected by these satanic thoughts. Um, and I'll I'll be honest, and I'll tell you that I I I I had God, but I didn't have the relationship with God that I have now. Um, although it was really strong, um, it, yeah, I, I probably stepped so far away from the word and God's written word (laughs) after you understand what the written word have, has done to humanity, you'll see why I was so skeptical and not wanting to have a bar of it. It was, it was difficult, you know? Um, I was raised as a Catholic, in a Catholic family, um, in a middle-income family, in a blue-chip suburb here in Queensland in Brisbane. And we were a family who were busy trying to do what the Joneses were doing um, without doing what the Joneses were doing. That is that is the one thing. I was raised that way. That That was good. But by and large... It was, you know, conformity was required. Um, if you were to succeed, you, you conformed to the right schools, you know, the right car, the right house, the whole lot. Um, I was a very independent thinker and I was a very shy child, terribly shy. I found it incredibly difficult to relate to people. And in fact, you know, if there was a diagnosis, there wasn't back then, but if there was a diagnosis, I would probably be close to ADD, I guess. I was very creative, constantly making things, drawing things, colouring in, um, imaginings. You know, I um, had a million pen friends. I couldn't get it, which probably doesn't surprise any of you. And I just really loved connecting with people and um, I loved going within and I loved the meditative way in which art gave me back to my higher self, though I didn't have that understanding. 
that's what it was doing, it was nourishing me, it was really cool. So um, I grew up, you know, in a conformist way until it got to the point where probably around 14, I realized I don't have to conform. I don't have to do anything you tell me to. In fact, I'm just going to do whatever I like, but I'm going to be really good and sit here because I've already worked out that if I'm really good, you're going to leave me alone. <laughs> so I was one of those kids who looked like nothing. She, total angel. Like there is nothing I could do wrong. I did all kinds of stuff because everybody never imagined that I would ever have it in me, and I did, <laughs> well and truly. I've got the rebel in me, I'm a double Aquarian. Anyway, so going through those red pills and smashing those beliefs and pulling down those walls and really going into, as I've done since I was a child, you know, why does it have to be that way and why are we looking at, at it this way and who said? Oh. <laughs> Who said? <laughs> I got D minus for religion and now you know why. Because who said? Who said that we have to be like that? Uh, I'm also somebody who, if you put something in front of me and say it can't be done, well, that's a red flag to a bull and I will go ahead. If I have the desire, look out. It'll just be done because I get God to work with me and we work together and we're good and it happens. Go away. <laughs> now what? <laughs> It's, um, it's, it's been amazing. I will actually do a podcast on that one time on uh, manifestation. I've been extremely blessed that way. Um, to have all those dreams shattered and, and to have all those paradigms moved is crushing. I was going to use the word soul-destroying, but that's actually not true. It's ego-destroying. It's your ego that wraps its mind around ideas, principles, philosophies, beliefs, and things that you've been handed that nobody questions, you know, and it gets to this generation and you're like, why does it have to be so? Um, let's, do we have to do it that way? Is, this, is, there, is there a rule? Do we get a prize for following this? <laughs> no. So I learned very quickly that um, as we uncover the truth, we expose the lies. And when we expose the lies, we're able to see things as they truly are, which is definitely not with our rose-colored glasses on. And we start to see the horrors of the world as they are. And that can be salt in the wound especially if you've had issues with authority and you've had no choice but to conform uh you knew that you know your local police station was corrupt as and you've conformed as much as you possibly could but now you find that your the entire system is infected with this satanic crud that seeps in you know it, it is hard work and I remember going through six seven eight months of this red pilling I was quite addicted to it because the truth is very addicting if you are somebody who is passionate about the truth 
it's it's not like you want to let up on that. You can't exactly turn... What's seen can never be unseen, right? And, um, yeah, being somebody who is passionate and compassionate about the world and the people in it, I was heartbroken, actually. Um, now, there's a couple of caveats here. I just wanted to talk to that. The first caveat here is, yes, it's been 6,000 years of this satanic realm that we've been fighting off. And night and day has been this journey of protecting ourselves and moving through this process. But if you want to actually look at how the souls work and how the souls integrate and the way in which the real world works, and I'm not talking everyday 3D world either, um, we all come together as souls to fight out this battle slash show, a reality TV show with a script. And we have our bit players, our parts, our roles to play, right? Some of us come as observers, some of us come as warriors, some of us come as sleepy that are never going to wake and are the lost 6% as we speak to that a fair bit in queue. Lost as in they're never, we just leave them. <laughs> it's, it's not their life and we don't need to worry about those guys. We just need to worry about ourselves and be there for the people around us that wake up in time if they choose and they may not. And that's, that needs to be cool because it's, well, a free will planet, apparently. <laughs> I say that because I think the free will bit is a bit of a marketing ploy to get us here in the first place because <laughs> actually... My experience is that it doesn't matter what you what you freely will. Um, there is a destiny, and at the end, you get to that point anyway. You can just choose which route you get on, whether you do the high route, the low route, or the in-between route, the shortcut, or the long way around. And I can tell you now, I have definitely taken the long way around many times and found plenty of dead ends um, <laughs> and still ended up where I was meant to be. Uh, the irony has been incredible and synchronicity shows you that. So we come to earth with this powerful soul calling. Some of us don't know what that is necessarily. Some of us are very clear on what that is. It doesn't really matter whether you are or you're not. You come into earth with this soul calling and there is this destiny that you're going to fulfill. And it's pre-planned, predetermined. And as you journey through this, you decide who you're going to be. Are you going to be the baddie? Are you going to be the goodie? Are you going to be the sleepyhead? <laughs> Are you going to be the, you know, the rescuer? Are you going to be the perpetrator? Are you going to be the victim? Are you going to be the abuser? All that. And the way it works is most of us have alternate lives, so we don't get one shot at it, which is great. But we also have had experiences where in one life maybe we have been the victim 
And then we come back in another life and we're the abusers. We're the oppressors. We're the tyranny. You know, the people sort of creating this tyrannical cult that's running. We've all had a go at it. And this is what a lot of people uh, aren't yet aware of but are waking up to as we move into this vibration of, oh, wow, hang on, I chose this? (laughs) Yes, you did. You not only chose this, you designed this. So we're going a bit deeper there. And as the designer, you also said yes to this. You were complicit in this. And then as the bit player, so we look at, if we look at that dynamic between, um, okay, deep state, and the rest of the world. It's currently the rest of the world versus deep state. Um, They've been infiltrating and creating pain and havoc all this time. And, you know, if we look at the everyday machinations, we can see very clearly, oh, my God, if we'd have just woken up 50 years ago when JFK said, there is a problem, Houston, then we wouldn't, necessarily needed to see baby blood all over album covers or the pedo wood nonsense that has infiltrated every aspect of entertainment and the reasons for that you know I guess what I'm trying to say here is we at some level not at a conscious level but at some level we've given our consent and we've been we've had our part to play in this if you look at power play the only reason power abused power successful is because the people who don't take up power make that so um it's the person that doesn't have the power that actually has the power in the relationship but usually it's a power that they don't usually believe that they deserve or um they don't understand how much power they have in actual fact. And we're seeing that now. So as much as uh, the tyranny that has occurred has been bad and satanic and needs to, it needs to leave the building, there's no question. And we're here to do that. We, we must also, for our own healing and growth, and if we never want this to happen again, we also need to acknowledge our part to play in that. And the reason I say that is because we automatically move out of the victim when we do that. The, the, the whole uh, drama triangle is a something Cartman's K-A-R-P-M-A-N-N. Look up the Cartman drama triangle. And throughout history we've been humanity has been triangulated there's been the devil there's been the people who have been oppressed and there's also been the rescuer and i don't don't want to go into that too deeply now because we it will take me on a tangent i don't want to go but effectively when we move out of the victim when we make a conscious choice and that's actually what needs to happen we wake up, wow, okay, I'm awake, wow, okay, now what? Well, we then need to move out of blame, which is a bit hard when we're chasing deep state at the moment, but remember it's a show, 
okay? And we're living in boomerang times. So those boomerang times, it's 2020, instant manifestation. Whatever you say will be true. And whatever you do will come back to you tenfold. Good, bad, indifferent. So um, perpetuating on the message of hate probably isn't a great idea. Well, actually, I know that. <laughs> and moving into a state of um, not so much surrender, but certainly allowing what needs to happen. And look, Trump is doing that as an the phenomenal leader that he is. Let's face it, um, the phenomenal leader that he is. Um, he has enough wisdom to be able to use maturity. There's something that came up for me today. Engaging with the maturity to step back and just let Satan run its thing. <laughs> and then eventually it just falls down dead and it's, or it goes to find something else to do. Okay? As we are not victims. We have been victimized, yes. We have been bullied, yes. But through that, dark serves light. Change my mind. Okay, the dark is the dark and it serves the light. And how, do I, how do I know that? Because as the dark serves the light, it helps us grow. It's a big teacher. It's where the light shines brightest. There's no point being lighting a match in a lit room what, what is that okay the match becomes invaluable in these spaces of darkness so the dark serves the light and as we start to understand wow you know this has really transformed me think back to six seven eight months ago <laughs> think back to 2019 when you were going oh my god it's such a weird year <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> Try 2020 off the size. Um, and it's the year that never was. I haven't even opened my, my calendar planner. <laughs> and I'm sure many of you haven't either. It's just not an easy year. Right? So if we look at um, what the truth does then bring it back to this what the truth does is it shapes us it doesn't need to crush us but 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 we f it fully creates a massive emotional response through the body it'll bring up trauma a hundred percent you know one of the things I talk about a lot is and I'm very aware of is that people who are caught in the dumbs are going to trigger the people who have been sexually abused, people who've been caught in the church causing pain against children and grown women been having babies ripped away from them, the stories that we've heard, right? My own experiences even as a child in the Catholic system, wow. You know, that... That truth, you, you see it, you cannot unsee it. That's the gift from God. God gives you that gift. 
and that that truth it becomes the light in that dark room you are now illumined there's no um, the light isn't going to burn out like a match it's it's just there forever and so the the feeling of heartbreak that you have i'm going to invite you to sit with that uh, sit in the space of difficulty for a little bit longer you don't want to rush it and 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 for pretend that you're not feeling this way you don't want to sweep it under the carpet that's what they've done for centuries it doesn't work i tell you now what happens when you don't deal with something you pass it on to the people who you love the most and they have to deal with it and this is the great thing about living right now is the buck stops here it certainly happened in my case we've taken on massive our our role as souls has been to rise to the challenge of taking on massive karmic debt and transmuting that. That's what we're all here to do. Your kids as well. All of us. 6%? No. <laughs> but the rest? Yes. Okay? And this is why you, you can't be bothered with everybody else's business. You, 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 it's too much. You have to take it on yourself and look at yourself and how you feel and when we see the truth it can be extremely confronting but you know what i deal with it with humor that's how after a while i was like oh my god this is hilarious not that i think that what is happening with trafficking is hilarious or not it's more not at all it's more um how can they have the audacity to do that? Are you serious? And then I'll burst out laughing. You know, they can stand there and make those evil eyes in, in, a, in a photo shoot for Hollywood. How can they do that? And laughter is uh, something Satan can't stand, by the way. And it raises your vibration immediately and put takes you to the 40,000 foot view straight up. So where possible, and it isn't always possible, I know, but where possible, using laughter is the best medicine. And when we're seeing some of these traumatic, really traumatic photos, we're seeing this really dark, like what is in these people's heads? You know, we don't have to go there. We don't have to be Cluedo and work out what's going on in their minds. We, we, it's, we, we have a military and, a, and they're doing all that for us. We don't need to get inside the super sadistic aspects of, of these soulless ones. And they, I have to tell you, they are soulless. They have no souls. Their soul was eaten a long time ago. And that was the agreement. They came in as the bit player to do that. And it was about two months ago, I was still sitting in the, why? Why would you do that? And I was, I was actually in the shower, which is where I get all of my downloads. And, uh, well, not all, many. As long as I'm near water, I'll, I'll pick something up incredibly. And I had this vision of Ghislaine Maxwell, actually. And because she's out of all of them, I don't relate with any of them, so they're all just weird and stupid. But she's probably the closest to somebody that I would know. I'm 
yeah, I'm surprised I haven't actually met her, to be truthful. Um, she is the pers- the kind of person that, as she presents, um, that I grew up with. You know, she's very normal to me. Why would you do that? And um, God said, I sent her because... I needed you to see how normal people can simply lose their path. And let's face it, she's on a path, but not ours. And then I saw her soul come into earth. I saw her moving into this vibration of service in for the satanic but actually she did that Hillary did that Comey did that Brumsville did that think of the name right Clinton did that whatever to help us wake up to the truth of who we are now things were bad they were they've been bad for a long time and you know, the Vatican, so glad to see that place completely dysfunctional because it so doesn't deserve to be there. But to see that everything shift and change as it has, it, it's, it's been phenomenal. And then you look at what happened in the last four years, from 2016 onwards, and there was this satanic clutch that the the earth was in this i can see it right i'm talking about it i'm visualizing it right now and this satanic belt around the earth and it, it had a hold on us and how much worse things had to go before we woke up and and, and this is a big stretch i'm not saying for you to forgive You'll do that in your own time. I'm saying, wow, this soul, okay, hate the sin, not the sinner. This soul came into earth and was prepared to do this to help humanity, humanity wake up to itself. Okay? So when you're doing your red pill and you're going through your stuff and you're finding out the devil in the detail, and it really is the devil in the detail, let me tell you, you need to understand that the truth is there to serve you and God is in the truth, no question. Okay, so we don't, and this is why I went through this whole spiel, we don't have to f- honour the, the role of victim. We, we are not, there's no victims here. Even the children in the dumps is very controversial, so go with me here. Just open your mind a little bit. Children and dumbs are the warriors of light. Okay? They are the ones we should never forget. They are the front line. They are the veterans of this crusade. Heroes. They actually brought me into queue wasn't for the kids, I said this many times, you would not even be hearing from me. 
but the kids brought me in. I knew the truth of their plight. The minute I heard it, I did not ask another question. Went straight to the White House website to see if I could see a commentary, and up he came, Trump, who I didn't like. <laughs> it's funny now, but I didn't like. I love him to pieces now. And I wanted to see what was this president going to be doing about this. And wow, he was amazing. And I saw his light immediately. And just like that, in an off-world sense, he also came to earth with this vision. So did Princess Diana. So did John F. Kennedy Jr. For those of you that believe he's alive, and of course I do. Michael Jackson, you know, victimised constantly. Well, of course, it's always going to be the opposite of what it is. They're not victims, they're heroes. And so we don't need to go in uh, to rescue mode. All we need to do is observe, watch the movie, as they say, grab your popcorn, and know that everything is defined under grand plan. Do I have the detail of the plan? No, I do not. Do I know that there is a plan? Absolutely. Because I know God is in the detail, not the devil. So, um, as the truth works over you and cracks open your heart, remember Rumi's words and the heartbreak is where the light can get in. Okay, we are shedding unwanted baggage. We are healing distortion, lies, untruths. We are getting to understand the truth of who we are. And we're able to then jettison ideas, concepts, philosophies, dogma, Aspects could be religion, maybe it's not. Depends on what what your what your soul path is. All of these things that you've had, and you've had to burden, and hold on to, and remember, and feel guilty about, you no longer have to feel guilty anymore. And the existence of these souls all around the world, the ones who are in looking for the kids, you know. They don't have a profile at all, but these are the people that are true heroes. These are the people that are like, wow, what a soul calling. What an incredible thing for them to get in and be there looking for those people to do that work. Not Imagine, like, a no, there's no way I could do that. I know what I'm here to do, and it's definitely not that. Bringing us into... The whole purpose is to bring us in alignment with the truth of who we are, the truth. And what we need to do then is to work out how we're going to move through these next weeks and months as disclosure happens, as people start to become aware of the truth in the mainstream sense. You know, somebody said to me yesterday, um, oh, I was really angry. And you know what? That's a part of 
the grief process. In actual fact, because I red-pilled such a long time ago, I forgot that part. Yes, I was really angry. I was ticked, partly because I knew it was happening, and secondly, that it was happening, (laughs) right? Like, I knew, (laughs) and I'm right, and it was wrong, and yeah, you know, but that's part of the grief process. That's part of um, the seven stages of grief. Really interesting for you to look that up. And we go through denial and we go through anger and then we go through um, uh, like, a, like a kind of depression. And we're moving through all this and we're just letting that. And the best advice that I can possibly give if I was to give advice, which I don't need to do, but if I was to guide you and say, you know what, the best thing I can say to you is just be gentle, okay, and um, lower your expectations of yourself and um, give people the time they need to adjust. It is a massive adjustment. It is huge. They have done a lot wrong, you know, the, the term unforgivable wanted to pop up there. It has been. What they've done is unforgivable, mainly with the psychological abuse that has gone on. You know, somebody said to me today, well, worst thing about the masks is I, I can't see anyone's emotions. Can you imagine what that does to a child? You know, it's enough to trigger you. All you need to do is bring yourself into an awareness of the truth and what that means for you and know that at the end of the day, anything that isn't love isn't true, okay, and this vibration is not for you and you are being transformed, this light, this information that is coming, that is exposing, this is the the great awakening, We've been talking about it for years and it's finally here. The dawning of the golden age comes behind that. And this, 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 this awakening is uncomfortable but only for a moment until we embrace and, and can move to gratitude around who we really are, about our journey on earth, about our connection with God, about understanding that God and we, we are one. We're all one. We're all, we're not different. And you, you, I bet you're already feeling that now. Such a great time to be alive. Thank you so much for joining this with me. It's been such a pleasure. I have totally loved being here with you today. And I'm looking forward to doing my next one with you. Take care.